We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You both. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you have joined us this time out. And if this is your first time, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, it's going to be a fun episode this time. I have a great conversation coming up in the second half. And I'll tell you about everything we have coming up. But first and foremost, want to remind you guys, go to the WadesWordProductions.com website. That's wadeswordproductions.com and uh, find out everything, anything and everything about the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, including past episodes. In addition to that, information on the Friday Express, my TFE family, and of course, uh, KTSU Sports Talk, some stuff I've done for the stage and we'll be doing more of, and uh, all things D-Wade. It's a fun, fun site, and while you're there, please subscribe so you can get the occasional email to tell you what's going on with us, if we have remotes coming up, uh, where we'll be, what we'll be doing, changes in the podcast, all of those sorts of things, subscribe at the bottom of every page to the email. And again, they won't come every day. So don't worry, I'm not going to flood your inbox. Uh, but from time to time, we will send things out just to uh, connect with you guys and make sure you know what's coming up for us. Also want to remind you guys, go to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Sports Line. The Sports Line. Is at 832-941-6614. You can call 24 hours a day and leave your opinions, and we will try to include those in the podcast. So, again, 832-941-6614. Now, this time out, we have a great conversation with Enos Cabell. He is a well, former major leaguer, one of my favorite players growing up, and 15-year major league veteran, but he's a special assistant to the Houston Astros owner. So he's in the thick of things with the Houston Astros. We'll talk to him later on. It was a discussion we had a couple weeks ago, and I wanted to include it on the podcast. In addition to that, we have headlines. We will do a segment that we haven't done in a while called Shots Fired. We're going to get into some grudges, going to get into some grudge matches and uh, what's going on in and around the world of feuding in sports. So we have that coming up. We will get into, maybe we'll do a little bit of We the People. In addition to that, we have a What's Brand New. We'll give you an update on me, my health situation, and some other good stuff. And that's in the second half of the show. We'll hear from our DJ, DJ Anarchy. And, of course, want to remind you guys, if you have music, send it to us at music at wageswordproductions.com. We will play a snippet at the halfway point, and at the end of the podcast, we'll play the entire track. And it doesn't matter what kind of music it is. The genre does not matter as long as it's radio edit. We like to be you know, family-friendly to an extent, even though I cuss from time to time. But we try because it is, you know, we have different places that we have the uh, podcast. So we try to do what we can to keep it. Let's say uh, PG-13, whatever that means these days. Uh, nonetheless, we will do that. We will have a Lamont Award, and we will have Before I Let Go. So all of that and a great conversation with Enos Cabell. So let's get started with headlines. In headlines, of course, we can start on the court and on the field if you're talking XFL. But I think the number one story around the world is what is now defined as a pandemic 
It is the coronavirus and its impact on the world of sports. Now, again, I was slightly on the cutting edge of this a week ago when, when we talked about this the first time, how it will probably impact sports. And it didn't seem to make anyone afraid. Uh, but since then, things have gotten a little bit worse. In the greater Houston area, there are about four or five folks. There's one in the county in which I live. There was, there's one in the county in which uh, my siblings live. It's one not far. Well, it's far. No, that's a long, long way. Montgomery County is way away. But nonetheless, it's it's spread. And uh, today in the uh, greater Houston area, they shut down the Houston rodeo. Now, people say, what, what is I mean, a rodeo? What is it? This is a phenomenon, if you don't understand. It's a, it's our civic celebration for three weeks uh, each and every, what is it, early, late winter, early spring. And, I mean, they have everybody from, I don't know, Alicia Keys to Mays to Willie Nelson to this is a this is a whole citywide thing and I know that some people in different areas think we ride horses which I have ridden a horse and I mean I don't have access to one I don't have a hitching post in front of my yard but <laughs> the the lesser informed <laughs> think that we probably have walk on dirt roads or whatever but nonetheless it's a big deal here and it attracts a couple million people a year a couple million people come to that venue for the, the, the carnival, for the livestock show, they sell stuff and cotton candy. It's almost like the state fair. If you've been to a state fair anywhere around the country, I suspect that it's similar to that. It's a huge, huge deal. They get 64, 65,000 a night for the, the acts that perform there. So it's a big deal. And for Houston to shut that down in what a week into it, that's a huge financial hit for the city. And in addition to that, they're shutting down other events. Now I, they have not said anything specifically about the rockets yet, but anything that city sanctioned and city permitted will be shut down throughout the month of March. Now, again, I, this is early on, so by the time you hear this, there may be other developments. But since then, the four major leagues have come together to make some announcements in which uh, the, the you can no longer have access to the locker room. You can only talk to them on a dais, and they can bring them into the, the interview room. And from afar, you can not shout, but you can ask your questions to the athletes and coaches there. And that, that, I mean, that's a minor inconvenience, but it's a, a big way of how people, especially on a daily basis, do their job. And that's how you get real inside information. So I suspect a lot of guys will be making phone calls and, and, and trying to reach out to guys away from the facilities or in their fields of play. I think it'll hurt baseball in a way. Because, you know, a lot of the, the again, the day-to-day -day guys will go around and get interviews and talk to the guys around the batting cage and get a sense of what's going on. But that's a small, really a small price to pay if you want to save lives. So it's a big, big deal. And we know that, uh, and I'll talk about what are, the NBA a little bit later on as it pertains to one of its stars the star lebron we'll talk about what his response was and what that earned him hint hint but nonetheless it's a big deal and i think it's only going to get worse for a while i think they're trying to ride this thing out for a couple of weeks and see if they can stabilize or plateau the numbers like they seem to have done in china although i don't know if you can believe state-run television i don't know if you can believe the government and what they say but they seem to say in wuhan that they have the, the coronavirus has plateaued. Now, again, it's not a lot of fun because everywhere you turn, it's all about the coronavirus. It, it's I have coronavirus fatigue and, you know, it's starting to impact lives and it, it will impact the world of sports. I want to ask you guys and you can comment 
on the sports line, 832-941-6614. What do you think about games without fans? What do you think about, uh, I mean, will that impact you in any way? Uh, would you still go to a game if possible? Now, you have the NCAAs that are right around the corner, but as far as I know, most tournaments, most conference tournaments are still going on. I saw the ACC a little bit earlier today, and they, I mean, they're rolling. So, I mean, but this thing can change day to day. So, that's something to keep an eye on. So, that's a big, big deal. And if you want to talk on the court, and uh, we can start talking NBA, LeBron had a monster weekend and the Lakers. They beat uh, two teams that they hadn't beaten so far. They beat the Milwaukee Bucks, who they lost to earlier in the season. And LeBron had a great game. And Giannis, who he he did a, he did work. He didn't get a lot of help that night. And they lost that game. And then he comes back, LeBron does, and the Lakers, they come back and beat the Los Angeles Clippers. So for them, it was a statement weekend. Now, we had this big debate about uh, the, who was the MVP. And I sort of wavered, and it's it makes it in a way it makes. I, then I delved into the numbers, and it it became obvious to me that it was Giannis. To this point, still a lot of basketball left. Now Giannis is going to sit out a couple of games on a West Coast swing for the Milwaukee Bucks. He may be back. He may not for a little bit of time. He may not. They may not want him to, have wanted him to travel. And they may just want to rest him up a little bit. They've all but clinched the top spot in the Eastern Conference for throughout the playoffs. So they have gotten out to a tremendous start. And, I mean, this season is going really, really well for them. And I, they're all geared up towards the playoffs. LeBron, and on the other hand, the numbers are slightly better for Giannis. But here's my – here's the thing. LeBron is playing some tremendous basketball. Can't take credit away from him at all. And this was a monster weekend against Kawhi Leonard. And he took it to Kawhi. But here's the thing. What we tend to forget when we talk about this MVP race and we talk about uh, some of the other things, some the other components pertaining to the Lakers, Clippers, uh, Milwaukee, and the Lakers. Who does Giannis really have to consistently help him a lot? He doesn't have a Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is supposedly a top five player. Now he will be overshadowed by LeBron and whatever he whatever he collects, it goes into the LeBron pile. So I mean so he'll be overshadowed like every other star who's played with LeBron. But let's not sleep on the fact that he got off the other day when uh, and, and Avery Bradley got off, which that's not going to always happen. But it happened. And so that situation having Anthony Davis makes a huge, huge impact. Is that enough to get them over the Clippers. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We will see. I know that they beat the Lakers twice prior to Sunday's game, but that was a big win for the Lakers. The Lakers needed that win. And I think when you look at the Clippers, now that they can make some adjustments, they're getting healthy. But like, let me tell you this, the, the number two guy around the league, he's the, the best number two guy in the league, Anthony Day, or potentially. Now, maybe, maybe you can make an argument for a couple other guys, but Anthony Davis is the guy. I mean, if you want to put him up against Giannis is second, there's no contest. If you want to put him up against Paul George, there's not a, really a contest there. So uh, the question is, moving forward, I mean, that, that looks like we are on a sort of a collision course between uh, the Lakers and the Clippers, and that's going to be a great series, a really, really great series. But as it pertains to the MVP race, if the numbers stay where they are, I still may give the nod to Giannis, although the, the popular vote now. And, and this is where they weigh games more in March than they do in November, December, January. You know, So that there's more weight on what's going on now, especially for voters for the MVP race. I suspect it will be LeBron. I, I, I think it will be, 
Although Giannis, he doesn't have that Batman, that Robin to his Batman. So we'll have to see what happens with that. A lot of NFL stuff going down, a little minor stuff. The sort of teams are positioning themselves for free agency. And that can ramp up really, really quick. We're not there yet. And also some NCAA tournaments. We should talk about that very, very soon. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe maybe tomorrow we'll have an opportunity to hear about some tournaments going on around the country as we get up get geared up for March Madness. But let's talk about beefs. I want to go to a segment that we call Shots Fired. Shots Fired! Shots Fired! Shots Fired is all about beefs in the world of sports, and we have a good one this time out because we have two guys that I, I like. I like both of these guys, and I'll give your opinion on uh, my take and who you think is the winner of this beef, uh, if it continues, if it's ongoing, or if it's done. Who do you think won the, the, uh, the beef between these two? It's between Charles Barkley and Draymond Green. Now, I like Charles Barkley, and I know that he said he says stupid things from time to time. He's offended everybody at one point or another, and you tend to do that when you say what's exactly on your mind. And he's been canceled in this cancel culture a couple of times, but he always bounces back. Cause he just, I mean, I think people genuinely think he's a good dude. He may not always be informed about things outside of the realm of sports, but I'm telling you, the show he does with Ernie and Kenny and Shaq, that's the best sports show. On television. It really is. I mean, because even if you're not a basketball fan, you can tune in and be entertained and, and informed by those guys. It's a lot of fun and uh, the, a great chemistry. Although I was slow to warm up to Shaq on that show. But Charles, even when he was here in Houston, he was a good dude. I interviewed him a couple times in the locker room quite a bit uh, during those days. He was cool. I mean, he was who he was. And, and something he He's who you see on television from time to time. He does get, I think he's mellowed a little bit. I think it's cost him a lot of money to run guys through windows and all the stuff that he did. But he's a, he's a good dude who is not always informed. So I don't get as mad with Charles. I can identify when he says something stupid or he leaves his lane. I can recognize that. But in this situation, he was being critical of Draymond Green. Draymond Green, I like a lot. He does a lot of the dirty work. He's a linchpin for that Golden State team that won championships. Now, he's a problem child sometimes. And I think, ultimately, he costs his team a championship versus the Cleveland Cavaliers when he got kicked out of game six, which he shouldn't have been kicked out. But it is what it is. You can go back and change it. I don't think he should have been. But it, it is what it is. But it cost him. And now, of course, you, they had six and seven rebound, and they didn't. And that's not all his fault. But you get to win game six, you could have ended that thing. No pressure, on, not as much pressure. But anyway, that's that's history. So Charles is, has been critical and just doing what he does, talking about the things that they talk about on TNT. And he said that uh, that Draymond had racked up a, a number of triple singles. So, and he was taking shots at the fact that he's not been the go-to guy in the absence of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. And they, I mean, one of the worst teams in basketball, well, the worst team in basketball. They'll probably have a number one pick, and that's going to be great for them. And you added Andrew Wiggins; they're going to be good. But if Draymond is an integral part of that team, although he's not a lead dog, he's just not. But he took offense to Charles and said Charles couldn't talk basketball with him and he would come and take Charles' job, and, I mean, which, you know, you need rings. This is the, 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 the argument that always gets me. And Shaq does this. I don't think Kenny does, does this, but Shaq does this all the time. And I think it's, it's not fair. Now, you can debate about this, but I don't think it's fair to say Charles, oh, because he doesn't have rings, he's not qualified. First of all, he's a top 50 all-time player. This dude is the true 
the truth, the truth. He's the real deal. I've seen him take over games inside, outside, running the floor. He was an amazing player. He really was. And I give him all the credit in the world because he wasn't that big to be a power forward. But yet, through will and determination and hard work, he made himself a better and better and better player. Now, when Draymond says Charles can't talk basketball because he doesn't have rings, wait, come on, man. Really? I mean, put, put yourself on any other team. Put yourself on Cleveland. The things that you do for them are unique to that system and how they play. And what you did was integral. They needed you to do what you do, Draymond. They needed him. But don't get it confused. You are not Charles Barkley. And as far as talking basketball, there's nobody I would rather watch talk basketball than, than Charles. So, I mean, just from an entertainment and informative standpoint, even though, like I said, he, he's not the all-knowing expert, but I, I like to watch him do what he does, and I think most of America, well, most basketball fans do. That's why he's highly paid, and he's been on television forever and ever. But so I, I think that Draymond got in his feelings, and he shouldn't. You, you can't win anyway. When you have an opportunity to talk after games during the season, you can't go against a guy who has a microphone two, three nights and, and can call any sports show at any time and be heard. So you can't win that battle. I don't think it's a good battle to fight. It's cool that you want to fight back and, and go back at Charles, but don't don't use the ring argument because Charles, look, he lost. He The one you can blame on him is you can blame the 3-1 lead over the Rockets, which – Mario Ellie and the Rock and Dream and all those guys came back. But look at how tough the West was at that time. You had David Robinson. You had the Rockets. You had even the Laker teams that were okay. You had other teams in the West that were tough. And to have to go through that, the Phoenix Suns had to do work to get there. And then you meet Jordan when you get to the finals. And so can you blame a guy who doesn't win a championship uh, with uh, Jordan in the league or you, when you have to go through Dream? Let's not even talk about Seattle. So, again, Charles is is the dude, and I think that they should stop taking shots at him for not winning a ring because he was worthy of winning one. And so, as it pertains to the shots fired situation, I think that Barkley is the clear winner here. Give me your thoughts on that. 832-941-6614. Going to take a timeout and hear a word from our sponsor and our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy in the Mix. We'll come back on the other side with a brand new and our conversation with Enos Cabell. And, of course, the Lamont Award. It is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast on any platform that you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. Come loved one, let's ride that silver train right down the Hudson. Have lunch in Midtown a summer in New York. Post-prandial, me 
podcast this is our resident dj dj anarchy on the mix and i tell you what man this dude is a special cat uh, and i'm telling you he's from the va but he i think he's incorporated some of that h-town flavor uh, but nonetheless this guy in one mix included kendrick lamar outcast lauren faith and michael franks michael jackson all in one mix the dude is cold he is cold you can check out a longer portion of his mix at the end of this podcast and of course check him out on all social media on soundcloud he's everywhere dj anarchy and of course if you have music that you'd like to send us please do do that at music at wayswordproductions.com and just make sure it's radio edit it doesn't matter the genre we play a southern soul we play jazz we play latin jazz we play all sorts of hip-hop we play a number of djs we've had all sorts of djs from all over the country we've had some chicago music i mean so whatever we are wide open country music we've had country music some gospel we've done it all and we will do it all doesn't matter uh, what the genre is we'll play a snippet at the halfway point and the rest of the track at the end right now though we're going to get into our conversation with enos cabell but we have to talk about what's brand new brand new brand new brand new now the brand new segment is when i talk about something that is not related to sports and i get a chance this is my outlet to blow off some steam until i do another podcast probably a political podcast i don't know because I know I have my diehard sports fans. But you guys need to know. I'm a renaissance guy in a lot of ways. So it's a lot of stuff that I'm into. And I like to share that from time to time. Sometimes it's music. By the way, I got a chance to see the Miles Davis documentary. And it was pretty good. Not thorough enough. I think when you do a documentary on Miles Davis, it has to be parts. Because you could just do the kind of blue phase. You could do the electric phase. You could do the end. You can do... You can do all you can do all the different phases of his career in his relationships. They glazed over Cicely Tyson. They glazed over Betty Davis. And they talked mostly about his his first wife. Didn't really didn't give us a formal introduction about the lady at the end that was with him when he died. But anyway, anything that exposes people to jazz, I'm all for. So check that out. Uh, Quincy Jones' documentary is on there as well. A Bad, Bad Man. So there's a lot to check out on Netflix. Lee Morgan. I called him Lee. Uh, I called him Morgan. So yeah, all of those documentaries, if you get an opportunity on Netflix to check those out, do that. Do that, and I recommend it. Give me your thoughts on any of those. I mean, any of my jazz folks out there, give me your thoughts on that. Well, I want to talk about my health because I've been on this for a while, and I think I finally have figured out what's wrong with me. So I told you guys, for the last few years, when I get ill, I sort of stay ill. It lingers a little bit. It does. It just lingers a little bit. And I never knew what it was. I went to a specialist, $250 with insurance, $250 with insurance. I don't know what it was without. I don't, I didn't want to ask, but it was, so I went to see the specialist and essentially what he said, this is a, a, a pulmonologist or whatever, a pulmonary specialist said, Hey, what you have is a recurrence of asthma. I had asthma growing up and I had a recurring asthma situation. It was exacerbated by what was bronchitis. So, I get, so essentially, this is what happens. So I want you to know, because I feel like in these days and times, I need to explain illness to you guys, because if you see me somewhere coughing, I want you to know what it's about. So essentially, what he's saying is allergies and the bronchitis aggravated my asthma, reactivated my asthma, which was dormant. 
So now they're treating both of those. So I'm not really, really sick. I'm not sick with Corona or anything else. I'm over the bronchitis. But he said he thinks the bronchitis triggered a dormant asthma. So if you hear me not breathing, if I'm labored breathing, or if I'm coughing, see me out in public, don't run. You don't have to shake my hand. I mean, we're not doing that anymore, apparently. Social distancing is what we're doing. That's that. So I'm on the mend. I'm not there yet. But I started a new course of treatment. And eventually, in about a month from now, I should be off of all of those respiratory medications. But it's the allergies aggravating the asthma, which was inflamed by the bronchitis. Now, there you go. So I just saved you $250 if you have a similar uh, ailment. So there, there's that. The other thing is, of course, I've been deep into the political zone, deep into the, the Democratic primaries. And I've in, I endorsed a, a uh, candidate for U.S. Senate. She lost. But that's okay. She'll rebound. She's young, really young. So she'll have an opportunity to rebound, learn some things, work in the community, strengthen her base, and go for something else again. Maybe not Senate. I don't know. Uh, she has time. She can do whatever. So uh, Amanda Edwards. So she'll bounce back. The other thing is this thing, this Democratic primary is over now. Joe Biden came out of nowhere. And I'm going to give you guys some sports analogies, a, a few of them. And I was trying to think about this in the term, in terms, Biden kind of was like the Patriots, kind of like the Patriots, and that they were old, kind of beat up. You thought they were over the hill, but yet they were able to get to the Super Bowl last year, not this year. Maybe let's say let's say 2018's New England Patriots that got to the Super Bowl where they were old. You counted them out. They didn't like Brady. He he was really like Brady, throwing the ball in the dirt, overshooting players, throwing it away. And yet when it was time, he stepped up. So you can kind of use the Tom Brady analogy, although Brady is like the goat or one of at the quarterback position. Biden is not that. He just looked old like Brady's been looking. Uh, but I also looked at this Biden-Sanders thing almost like a maybe Hagler Hearns for my classic boxing fans. You can YouTube this one. Where you come out in the first round, Bernie just whoop, just whooping all, you know, just whooping everybody, not just Biden, but everybody. Uh, and, and not by the majority, but by a plurality. He, he did his thing. And I tell you what, Come South Carolina, Joe Biden saw blood on his forehead and he came out just like Marvin Hagler and ended that fight. The, the best nine minutes in the history of boxing. Go use YouTube that. So this has kind of been a, a flash knockdown. This was a fast fight. We were talking about a broker convention and it got to a point where no, no, we're not even talking about a broker convention because it's over in six weeks. Think about this. They've been running for two years, damn near. And it's over in really five weeks, five and a half weeks. It, it's over. It's all but over, and now you have to consolidate and figure this thing out going into November. That's if you are uh, liberal-leaning, which if you're not, you're probably not listening to me anyway. But I do want to encourage you guys to seek out information, and I want to give a big shout-out to a young lady who has, I've, I sort of watched her just blow up because of her political opinions on YouTube and on what I think it was Twitter. Twitter was where I first saw black women views. Check her out. I want to say she has been like Maryland. Sometimes you hear a little bit of that Maryland Baltimore thing going on, but she, well, all she does is she gives her opinion. Now, if you're old school, you'll understand the analogy. She's like the Millie Jackson of political opinion. I mean, it's not safe for work. It's going to rain expletives on her opinions. But what I like about it, and even though I don't always agree with the things that she says, 
you got to respect her gangster. You just, you, she's going to keep it real. She, she's going to let you know she's in your face. And, and again, she does her research. And, and I'm not saying that she it should be your sole source. But what I like is it's a, it's a different way to access political information because she does her research. She will give you numbers and stats. So that's one of many. But there's so many real, uh, really, really good, informative podcasts that you should check out. And I tell you, you need to get involved. I don't, you know, you just got to get involved. This, this, look at this. Coronavirus. And I don't want to get specific in how the federal government has been blowing this. But at the very least, there's nobody in the, at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue that's gonna, it's giving you confidence that we, we got this thing. Nobody's calming down the markets with, with the truth and, and sort of, hey, putting that arm around America saying, hey, let's chill. Let's do what we have to do and chill. We're not getting that. So at the very least, we have a problem there. But we have so many other problems. But you should seek out. Uh, there's several, several uh, podcasts that you should check out and see how politics is being discussed in a way that we are not accustomed to. If you've been around for a long, long time and black women views on YouTube and on Twitter, check her out. I'm telling you, I watched her. She was basically a big time Kamala Harris supporter. And when Kamala dropped out, she just started dropping bombs everywhere. Truth bombs. And and really uh, giving her opinion and, uh, and getting her information out there. Now she's a part of the Roland Martin show. And I wish I knew her name off the bat. But I'm telling you, she uh, just by telling her truth. I can't do what I won't do what she does. Now, if you catch me after a few cocktails, you'll hear like she gives it but i'm not you know i don't do it like that but i respect her gangster because she uh she she says what she feels and she gets the information out there but there's there's several out there and if you hit me up and i'll give you a list of podcasts to check out just to get informed so you'll know what's going on because we need to engage and i think it's it's refreshing to engage in a different way but do not play do not play her youtube videos at work don't do it i'm telling you now don't don't blame it on d-wade don't do it. But nonetheless, get involved, get informed, and let's fix this thing to the extent that we can in a democracy. With that, going to take a time out, come back with our conversation with Enos Cabell and, of course, the Lamont Award. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast on KTSUradio.com and anywhere else you get your podcast. All aboard your nonstop getaway to the weekend. It's the Friday Express with yours truly, Devin Wade. Each and every Friday from 7 p.m. until 10, where we feature a little bit of this. A little bit of this. And a whole lot of this. End your work week and start your weekend with your non-stop getaway to the weekend. The Friday Express with Devin Wade, exclusively on KTSU 90.9, your community station. It's Shelly Wade and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade.
Thank you, thank you, thank you. And as promised, now I want to get into a conversation we had with Enos Cabell talking Astros. And I tell you what, it was a fun conversation. But let's not mistake this for uh, I gotcha adversarial kind of conversation. He is a friend of the show. And, of course, uh, we invited him in. Knowing that there's a lot of pushback against the Astros right now, and in a lot of situations, they don't have to reach out and talk. I mean, certain things they have to address, but they could just shelter in place and wait for this to blow over. But to his uh, his credit and his courage, uh, Enos Cabell joined us a couple weeks ago on KTSU Sports Talk. You'll hear the Silver Fox, Kevin Allen, one of the special teams unit members. He's on there as well. And uh, check out what he had to say. And I know some folks may not like it, and some folks, hey, if you're riding with the Astros, you ride with Enos. And uh, like I said, I'm I'm all for the Astros. So here is our conversation with Enos Cabell of the Houston Astros. I'm just joined now uh, by one of my favorite players. Growing up, Enos Cabell of the Houston Astros. Want to say good morning and thank you so much for taking our time to hang out with us this morning. How are you? I'm doing fine, Devin. How are yourself? Great. I want to thank uh, Ralph also for helping to uh, make this happen, so we certainly appreciate that. It's been a, a, a tumultuous uh, three or four months here. Uh, what's the? You've been in Florida already. What is it like inside of the clubhouse? I know from the outside looking in, it, it seems like uh, it's, it's chaos around the team. How is it inside of the, the clubhouse and when these guys actually start to work out? Well, it's, it's, you can't say that it's okay. Uh, what, what is really happening is the guys are trying to deal with what is going on and how to get through it and then get ready also for the season. It seems like you have been very influential in sort of guiding, uh, helping guiding the organization through the, a very, the, the most difficult stretch in their history, uh, and you bring in a guy like Dusty Baker. Talk a little bit about your influence on sort of helping guide this team through this tumultuous time. Well, I've been here since 2004, and Jeff Luna was, my, I think, my fourth general manager. And I don't know how many managers we've had since then, but uh, I know the players, who's involved, and who talks, and what we're trying to do. Uh, when it was built by Jeff Luno and, and Jim Crane, it was built to last and win for 10 to 15 years. And I've been there through all of that. So been through the 100 loss seasons and the 100 win seasons. So I know the players, and I know what they like, and the only way we get out of this is really if we win. Now, when, when you talk about Dusty Baker, what does he bring to the organization? What is, he, what is his calming force? I mean, what is, well, how will he help guide this team through this, this time? Well, he can take the heat off of the players. Uh, he was not involved in any of this, and then he, he's really stable. He's managed for, I don't know, almost 15 years, 20 years. So he's calming the players a place for him, and they won't lay down. So uh, he's, he's really been a, a real big force. He says the right things, too. You know, when he talks on TV or radio or whatever, he always says the right thing. Now, have you been surprised as a former player 
by the outspokenness of other players from around the, the, the major leagues and really sort of being kind of, I mean, in some cases, almost threatening. <laughs> I mean, have you been surprised by the tone by players from around the, the uh, major league baseball? Well, not really. It's a new generation of players. Uh, when the steroid era was here, they hardly said anything. <laughs> Maybe three or four people would say something. So this is not as bad as that. But when you let technology come into play, people will find out different ways to get an advantage. And that's what, you know, we've done. And it's other teams that are going to come out a little bit later that they also were doing the same things. Do you think from that standpoint that the outcry is a little bit overboard for, for the Astros? Is it, if, if it turns out that five, six, seven other teams are involved. Hello? Yeah, did, I, did, I, yeah. yeah, I was asking. I think I, that's the last part. If it comes out that six or seven other teams are, are involved, do you think that it's a situation where the Astros care too much of the brunt of this this scandal too much if it comes out that other te- many other teams are involved? Well, it's coming out. It, it, it will be out. We've, uh, the biggest thing, when we were losing 100 games a year, nobody said anything. <laughs> They just said, take this whipping and go on about your way. <laughs> we know that as, as minorities. We know when you get your whip, when you get whipped all the time, it's okay. <laughs> but then when you win and you become a real good team, everybody takes offense to it. So it's going to come out that there's going to be more teams involved in how they did it. Uh, and if you, if you didn't take advantage of the technology, then you were not very smart. And a lot of teams, they don't have the technology. Three or four teams don't do anything. They don't have anybody over there that's in the computers documenting things about how people can hit or how people can pitch or make themselves better. We, we maybe went a little too far. Right. And when you, uh, when you talk a little bit about it, and for people who don't know, and you've been around the game for so many years, how in the legal way, how is analytics used with technology? And, I mean, how have you been able, how was the team able to help themselves without, I'm not, not even talking about the, the sign stealing, but just the use of analytics and technology? Well, if you, you look at it and you, you document all the information, the spin on a baseball, that there's certain things you can do to make it spin better so the ball would break better. Uh, when Luno came in, hardly any of that was done. And we took it to a higher level. We probably have 15 people in analytics just trying to make people better, run faster, do all those different things that nobody ever thought of. So uh, it's safe. Say if they did me one day and they said, if, Enos, if you'd have walked 30 more times, you'd have hit 320. And, but nobody told me that. If somebody would have told me that, I'd have, I'd have walked 20 more times. So it's things where you get advantage and things that you don't. And what we try to do is implement that with the players, and the players have been perceptive with that. So that's a lot of the reason we got good players, but also they've gotten better. I want to talk a little bit about the, the players coming to you. As a veteran, and you've been around, like I said, you've been through the good times, the bad times. You've been known these guys, a lot of these guys. 
since they very uh, they started in the major leagues and, and even in the minor league systems. I'm sure. Right. Do they come to you and ask you personally for advice? Uh, what do you tell them? Yeah, well, they come through. I I played 15 years in the major leagues, uh, but the times are different. The problems that the players have are a lot different than what we had. But if you give them good advice, I don't give them just one way to go. I'll give them two or three options, what the answer is, and then they do their own answer. Uh, the players, I've had a, I've had a Tubi since he was 16 and a half. Wow. So, and I played winning ball in his city where he was born. So, uh, he's just, he's, He's just a great-ass player. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you, like, how do you think that the players will respond? I think, uh, I mean, obviously at home, you, the home fans will be showing love, I'm sure, but on the road it's going to be tough. How do you think these guys mentally will, will take on the challenge? Will these guys kind of come together? or how do, Will they handle it individually? What is, what's your take on that? Well, the players have always been together. I think having Dusty there will have a stable of, advantage i think for them but they're going to catch hell when they go on the road <laughs> i mean there's going to be trash cans bang what if you bring your wife your wife is in trouble yeah because so, they're going to throw mustard ketchup everything on them that's that's what they do but at home i mean they'll be fine because that people love the astros now kevin uh, allen has a to fight they're going to have to fight they're going to have to I said, if you're winning 10 to nothing, you need to make it 15 nothing. No, you know, Kevin <laughs> Allen here as well. Hey, I have a question. Yeah, on, on on the road, well, not even on the road, but the mental part of this scandal that has come out because with athletes, a lot of athletes are close. But with this scandal now, you have a lot of athletes, the uh, baseball players that are coming out saying that the cheating that went on. How is that affecting some of the guys personally? because now you have a little bit of tension in between, between these players. Well, I think the players are trying, trying to understand, and a lot of the players that are talking don't know all the information. And you've got to get all the information before you talk. And some of the players that are talking right now, their teams are going to get busted. <laughs> I wonder what they're going to say when the teams get busted. <laughs> now, I, so. yeah. yeah, now, now on, on that part, Enos and, and Devin and I and Ralph and myself, we we have this thing going. Is that I understand there'll be other teams going, but when it's in the forefront, where Mike Fryers came out, so you actually had an ex-player that came out and ran yes. it off. That's a little bit different than the other people getting busted. So I think that's where a lot of the heat is coming. So they the baseball had some firsthand information, which made it a, a little bit easier to investigate. What are your thoughts on that? Well, what in the first, first Mike didn't return any of his money he won. <laughs> he didn't give up his ring. <laughs> so <laughs> Mike could have said something a long time ago. But Mike took that four hundred some thousand dollars. Right. <laughs> the 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 other teams when they find out the information, I think it's going to be a little bit more clear. And you know we were not the only ones. So 
I mean, I understand all of that, but uh, I was before the steroid era, and it was, it was maybe four or five guys that talked about it. And it was probably 60, 70% players using steroids. But no so, one came out. No, there was not a lot no of No one folk. came out. Right. No. No. Well, TV, radio, ESPN has something every day. I mean, it's, it's different. Yeah, and, and it I seems mean, like it happened at a time where it, it, there were not a lot of other stories to knock it off the front page, too. No. Because right. you, you're exactly. talking about you're talking about no major other major stories. I mean, not to minimize the story itself, but again, right. it, it's a very difficult thing. Couple more things before we let you get out of here. As a veteran of 15 years in Major League Baseball, you know everybody, and it's a close fraternity of guys. Have you heard from some of the veterans personally? Are you getting a lot of phone calls? Have you fielded a lot of calls from your friends? And what are some of your your pals in baseball saying? Well, I think ever since they put the technology in and it became where a lot of the people went to Yale, Harvard, the big schools and technology was very important, the game has changed. And it's not like we, we used to steal signs, but we stole them from second base. Right. Now, right. they got cameras everywhere. Uh, the only place we don't have a camera in Minute Maid is in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I said, so if you're looking at the camera, you can see stuff. <laughs> so it's it's not. I think it's going to change where it messed up, and the, maybe the commissioner is not taking enough responsibility. They let them put those computers by the dugout, and then iPads are in the dugout. If you're watching. So, hey, iPads need to go. <laughs> Do you foresee the Major League Baseball making any changes like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's happening. Yeah, it, they can't allow that because every time a pitcher came in from the bullpen, five or six guys would hang out right there by the dugout, and they'd pull up what that pitcher throws on the iPad. And you can see the last five, eight pitches time he pitched to the guy what he threw him if you don't think that's that's wrong no that 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 that's that's a good deal there you you you're collecting yeah. data stop it yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so you're for going for, for to a more uh, sort of pure form of hey let's you know let's get all of this stuff of out of the way and right right guys if 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 he if, you know if you give somebody something put it in their face and they're an addict. They, what are they going to do? Now, let me yeah, ask you. It's, yeah, it's simple. Yeah, so how long do you think sort of this this fierce hatred of the Astros will take place? So, I mean, how long before it'll subside and, and get into sort of, okay, now, you know, that's over with. We've moved on. Do you think that'll take years, months? I mean, do you think once we start playing real games, will that uh, sort of well, die that's down? that's a good question. No, that, that's a good question. Because you never know about what the mentality of the players are now. The only way you can get off of them, I know your mamas have always told you that, that if somebody beat on you, you better beat on them. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Make them stop. 
What, what do you tell you know, what do you tell your team about I mean you know they're gonna get thrown at I said you need to hey, you need to go ahead and sign uh, Albert Bell to a to a as a bench coach I mean what what I mean what are you gonna do about what do you tell you yeah what are you gonna tell your team about uh, responding because you know it's it's gonna probably happen I well, mean the commissioner's gonna have to do that right now we've got people that are getting death threats and stuff. And that's crazy. I got him back way when, when Jr. had the, supposed supposedly they said he had a stroke, but you know, Jay was sick. I mean, he had an artery that was blocked. Right. But you know, you you can only tell them to play, and then try to block everything out. But a lot of people are having misconceptions, saying stuff that's not true. And if they re read the report, they'll find out what the hell happened. Yeah. And, and I do. I want you to clarify, too, that and, and a lot of people who haven't read the report, 2018, 2019, all of that stuff w was out of the window. Uh, I mean, can you verify that? I mean, because people, they, they want to no. lump all three years into, into 2017. Yeah. But that, that was one year, essentially. Yeah, well, I, I can't verify that because I didn't even know about this part. <laughs> and, and I'm going to clubhouse probably 50 games out of 80. And, hey, they didn't tell me, and they tell me everything. <laughs> well, you, you thought they told you everything. I said, how in the heck can y'all? Yeah, I, I was talking I was mad at them because they didn't tell me. <laughs> right, right. So you were, you were out That's of the loop, the, yeah. Yeah, I was out of the loop. I thought I was in the loop. That showed me. I didn't know nothing. <laughs> right. Uh, I want to ask you about the team on the field. Obviously, you lose Gary Cole, but you're returning virtually everybody else on the field. What do you What do you see? Uh, and again, what have you seen around the American League that, that sort of? I mean, obviously, the Yankees adding Gary Cole was a big deal. Uh, but aside from that. Uh, I mean, this is the same team that just got to, minus Gary Cole, that got to the World Series in 2019. Uh, what do you see from this 2020 version of the Astros? Well, the key is McCullough. McCullough is our third starter, and he's coming back from two years of not pitching. He pitched yesterday in batting practice, and he was awesome. So he's got to step up. We've got two kids that are pretty good. And uh, it all depends on Peacock could help. Yeah, but uh, what about Arcady? Um, he he uh, yeah, had he a, a awesome. yeah he had a wonderful World Series. Uh, you think how much you think he'll be able to 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 do uh, for the for that pitching staff? Tremendous! I think he's going to win at least fifteen games. He's and and he's Hispanic. You know, a lot of we got what probably four for people that come to the games are Hispanic. So he should be draw well, and he pitch well. And what do you tell the, the Astros fans out there? Uh, I mean, obviously, you, you seem to be getting a lot of love from the fans locally, but what do you tell? I mean, we have thousands and thousands of folks listening this morning. What do you tell Astros fans? Well, we're going to be good. I mean, the players, I don't know if you would say it was mad or just one to prove that all of the stuff that they're saying, they still can play. And the only way you get people off of you is to beat their tails. I mean, not one to nothing, two to nothing. It's 
10 to nothing, just blow them out. And we've got a lot of players that are mad. <laughs> yeah. And, and you think that uh, these guys will respond well to this pressure? That's, I mean, unprecedented pressure. On, I mean, we've never seen a team facing this this amount of pressure. Uh, you think all of Not these guys? Yeah, you think they'll respond? Yeah. Well, they got Dusty. We picked the right guy. Yeah, Dusty. Dusty, Dusty played for a long time. He managed for a long time. He's won championships. So, and this is probably his best team he's ever had. Oh, yeah, by far, yeah. So, I have a question, so Mr. Dusty, Cabell. Dusty knows. Hey, hey, I trust Dusty. I have a question, and, and I hear it a lot of times out, you know, Dusty. I think Dusty is here to, to, to get everything out of calm. How long can we expect Dusty Baker to be the manager for the Astros? Well, it all depends. I mean, Dusty's old as me. <laughs> we started about the same time. Yeah, he's 70 and I'm 70. So old people know stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, and more than any other sport, the, the more veteran guys uh, are able to stick around for years, I mean, longer than in football and the NBA. You have older people on bench coaches. I think then the Nationals, uh, then their pitching coach, well, he was an uh, older gentleman as well. So there's some older guys that are leading teams around Major League Baseball. Yeah, well, Dusty's very smart. I mean, he knows what to say. He backs the press off, and they respect him. And our players, they, they love it. So far, he's only been here, what, two, three days, a week? <laughs> so uh, he doesn't make mistakes when he manages. So that's a big plus. And our guys, our guys can flat out play. Right. Well, you know what? I want to thank you so much for joining us. And uh, again, I you know I have to I cannot stress this enough how much you you were one of my favorite players back in the days where you could name your your whole lineup you Terry Poole, Jose Cruz Cesar Cedeno, uh Art Howe Denny Wallen hey that, that was the team man hey that's uh what what about you kid what are your favorite members of that those Astros well probably when we won in 1980 because we had we had been the doormats for a long time. And we kept getting close and close and never winning. And then we we finally won in L.A. And they came over, the father came over, and he says, they closed down West Timer. <laughs> and I said, now that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, like those were some great years, great teams. So we yeah. certainly uh, appreciate you joining us. And, and maybe we can get you on at some point during the season to sort of talk about things uh, as they progress throughout the 2020 season. Sure, guys. Great show. Thank you so much for taking up. Thanks to Enos Cabell for joining us. And I'm going to get him on a little bit more to talk Astros throughout the season. What I love and I appreciate is his candor and his honest opinion. Like, he's a baseball lifer. So he's been in the game. Uh, He played 15 years. He's been around forever and ever and ever. And he knows his stuff. And, again, he was very candid with his opinions. Want to get your thoughts on that. 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. Call us 24 hours a day. Leave a message. And we'll get you on the next podcast. With that, it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. 
The Lamont Award goes to the player, team, entity, personality, someone in or around the world of sports that we deem to be the Lamont of the episode. And this time out, it's a guy who is not unfamiliar to the award. It's certainly someone who uh, originates from near a city that frequently gets the Lamont Award uh, near Cleveland. He's from Akron. I'm talking about LeBron James. And let me say this. Let me preface all of my criticism and before I bestow this award upon him. And he earned it. Clearly, he earned it. But before I give him the award, let me say this. Not many people in the world have had to step up and be in the spotlight from the age of 15, 16 years old. And he has done it tremendously. He's made relatively very few mistakes as a public figure. I mean, a great family man. Most of the time says the right thing. Most of the time. And if you want to get into just in the bubble that is basketball, we have a lot of problems with him. Kevin Allen, myself, a number of folks. They are labeled as LeBron haters. Not true, but we recognize that some people need to be criticized for certain things. But this time out, and we've talked about the coronavirus, and he's already rectified. I guess late reports are he's rectified this stance on things. But uh, essentially, as the NBA molds the possibility of playing basketball games without crowds, they've already made the provisions where the media can no longer come in the locker room They'll have a dais, and then you can speak to them that way. You can't go up to a guy and have conversations, and not right now. That's in all four major leagues. And as they mold provisions about moving forward and what to do with this coronavirus and convening thousands of people who really contract or spread the coronavirus, uh, they have some really, really just gut-wrenching decisions to make. Well, LeBron James came out and said, look, if the NBA decides, and I'm paraphrasing because I'll give you the quote, but he says that if the NBA does not allow fans in the stadiums, quote, I ain't playing, James said, after Lakers' defeat of the Milwaukee Bucks on Friday night. Quote, I ain't got the fans in the crowd. That's who I play for. I play for my teammates. I play for the fans. That's what I'm all about. If I show up at an arena and there are no fans in there, I ain't playing. They can do what they want to do, end quote. <laughs> Come on, man. Really? What? Like, there's a disconnect here. You would want the people that love you, that you claim to love and play for, to endanger their lives and the lives of others so you will feel comfortable playing a game of basketball. Come on, LeBron. Now, I know people have made him aware of this and uh, he thought it out or whatever. He, I mean, he, I guess it was put in perspective. And I guess he has changed course on that. I'm sure he would have anyway eventually. But the initial knee-jerk reaction was not a great one. And for that, my guy, not my guy, but you may be the MVP this year, but you are definitely a Lamont Award recipient because you are a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> now, I know I had to stretch a little bit to give LeBron the award because, again, I know he was going to figure this out. He was not going to want to endanger the lives of others, and he was not going to sit out if this is the ultimate decision of a league that's in charge of not only the player safety, but on the health and safety of the folks who pay the bills, and those are the fans. Now, we'll see how that all of this plays out, but for now, he got the award. With that, before I let go. Before I let go. 
Before I let go, hey, want to thank you guys. Want to thank uh, my executive producer on this situation, on this particular podcast. My man Larry the Chatterbox Hill. So glad to have that conversation with Enos Cabell. Look forward to hearing from you guys. 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. Go to wadeswordproductions.com and subscribe. Hit me up on social media. And as always, have a great day. And remember, number one, I don't do no favors after six o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening. Come loved one, let's ride that silver train right down the Hudson. Have lunch in Midtown at Summer in New York. Post prandial, meander through the Met just like we used to. The odds are King Tut still summers in New York. We'll both review Fifth Avenue from uptown to St. Pat. Indulge our fights, Italian. Then walk through sun